We can get overwhelmed by the evil in the world, or we can get overwhelmed by the goodness of God. We can live in a culture, we can live in one culture or the other, like we've been talking about, stewarding the kingdom. We can live in the culture of the world, or we can live in the culture of the kingdom. And when we accept Jesus, we get the culture of the kingdom. It's automatic. So we've been talking about kingdom stewardship, which has been so fun. And we've been using the passage, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. I'm going to read it through you for you really quickly in the Passion Translation. Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that everything in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. In the Greek, um, in verse 11, it can be translated, the one who provides finances should do it with the strength of God who supplies all things. So we've been talking about kingdom stewardship and stewarding things God's way, that everything that we have belongs to him, right? Everything that we are is his. We are his creation. We are his daughters and sons. And everything he's put into our care from the very beginning, when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, he created everything for them to steward. He said, it's all yours. Take it. Run with it. And so it still applies today through the gospel. He's saying, take it. Run with it. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. So we are stewards. We are agents of the kingdom. Everything that we have belongs to him. Everything that we have belongs to him. And if he asks us to give, we give. He asks us to go, we go. He asks us to give away our house, we give away our house. He tells us to pay for the groceries of the person in front of us. We pay for the groceries of the person in front of us. He tells us to steward our thoughts and take captive every thought. What do we do? We steward our thoughts. We walk it out with him. We care for what is his like it's ours because he's gifted it to us. And said, take this and Make it something beautiful. That's the fun part because you each have a gift like that verse talked about. And so it becomes something beautiful through your obedience and through your stewardship of what God has given you. So we're going after biblical perspective of kingdom stewardship. Go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump there really quick. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 10, Jesus, I pray right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you as I deliver your words, and that our hearts would hear what you have to say and what you want us to do in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? 
I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. Manifest your kingdom realm in verse 10 and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We've been saying a lot lately, bring heaven to earth. Let heaven touch earth. This wasn't our idea. When Jesus came, heaven came. Kingdom realm came, right? Are you guys with me? When Jesus came, heaven came. And someday we will actually be in heaven, but we're not talking about that. It's the already not yet kingdom of heaven, right? So he's saying manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. That gives authority to bring the kingdom realm here to carry it with us every single day. Manifest your kingdom realm here now. Bring heaven to earth. Let heaven touch earth in our everyday, ordinary lives. Jump ahead with me to Matthew 6.33. Constantly chase after his kingdom. So above all, chase after his kingdom. Constantly chase after the realm of the God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. This was last week's message. We talked about heavenly treasures, storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy. And it says here, all the less important things will be given to you abundantly, right? So you don't have to worry about tomorrow and what all you need and all the things that you require to live from day to day. God's already got the provision in front of you. That's what we talked about last week. It's already there. The provision is already there. Tell your heart, the provision is already there, right? So I do not have to worry. God fervently wants to bless us to be a blessing to others. That's the blessed life. Abundance is measured in what I've given away, not by what I have, Jack Hayford. Jesus illustrated the beauty of giving as the priority of the kingdom, of kingdom finances. We've been talking about finances. Last week, we spent most of the time talking about finances. And today, we're going to be talking about generosity, Because last week we talked about how we steward our finances and how we walk in obedience in our finances. And this week we want to talk about how how awesome being generous is because God has been so generous to us. Amen? Has God been generous to you? Are you alive in the kingdom today? Awesome. So jump with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And the title of our message today is called Hilarious Generosity. Hilarious Generosity. Art, what comes to mind when you hear the word hilarious? Travis's jokes? (laughs) Just kidding. What comes to mind? Something funny. When you hear the word hilarious, what comes to mind? Joy? I heard somebody say joy. Hilarious. That was hilarious. Hearty laugh. I like that one. What else? Everybody loves Raymond. 
Okay. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> oh, dear goodness. Something that brings joy, like someone said, you laugh. It's good to laugh. A kingdom perspective is that even in the hard, we're supposed to exude joy, right? Even in the hard, even in the, the things that we can't explain, joy is supposed to pour out. So hilarious. God didn't want just a cheerful giver, but the word cheerful in the Greek. I always feel like um, um, uh, the, my big fat Greek wedding, in the Greek. You know when they say that? Never mind. Okay. So I always love to look at the Greek word for what we're studying. And in the NIV translation, it's a cheerful giver in this passage. But in the Passion Translation, he uses the other English word for cheerful, which is hilarious. So it's the same word, hilaros and hilaos. It both means cheerful and hilarious. We are to be hilariously generous. It's, it is mind-blowing to think about being hilariously generous with our lives. How hard is it sometimes to be generous? It's usually like, a, oh, this one hurts. Here you go. You can have it. You're not typically laughing like you would watching Everybody Loves Raymond when you are being generous. But that's the kingdom perspective. When you are generous, it's to be this joy-filled, cheerful moment. So let's go to the scripture and let's read it. Chapter 9, verse 6. And I'm reading in the Passion Translation, but you can follow along in yours. Paul is saying, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit, hilariously generous spirit, will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment, and in every way. Everything, every moment, in every way. Are you lacking anything at all? If you are operating in him, do you lack anything? Come on, somebody answer me. Do you lack anything? You don't. He said in everything, in every way. We don't have lack in our lives when we have the kingdom in our lives. When Jesus lives inside of us, we don't lack one thing. So our perspective has to shift from a human side where the enemy wants to, to lie to you and tell you you lack. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden and said you don't have this. And he lured them away with lack. Don't let him lure your heart into a place of believing that there is lack in the kingdom because where he is, there is no lack. Soapbox, I'm getting down now. Okay. Woo. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do, just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. 
so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Say, in the kingdom, there is always growth. In the kingdom, there is always growth. Right? In the kingdom, there is always growth. When you sow a seed with a hilariously generous heart, there is always growth. When you say, God, what I have is yours, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to whoever you're telling me to give it to, and I'm going to do it with a, a cheerful heart, with a hilariously generous heart, there will be growth. That is his promise. When we give and we sow into the kingdom, we support missionaries, when we support VBS, when we buy a bicycle, when we do this, when we do that, we are not just giving money. Do you understand the power behind the money is the kingdom. Every dime that you give with the heart of Christ in you sows a seed into the kingdom. That's good. That's good. Okay. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. Your generosity causes thanksgiving. Your generosity brings people to a place of God has to be real. Come on, how many of you have experienced generosity and it drew you in to, I want more, not of, of stuff, but I want more of that heart. How did they do that? Why did they do that? If you look down in the notes in the Passion Translation, it, if, I'm going to jump back up to verse 7. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. If you jump down, there are seven things in the Bible that God loves. And I'm going to just read them really quick. God loves the resident foreigner or, or immigrant. God loves righteousness in affairs with others. God loves justice. God loves the gates of Zion. He loves righteous people. He loves hilarious or cheerful givers. And he loves those he disciplines. God, it's like, it's like when you have kids and they ask for something and it's like Travis Wright, for example, goes and buys something for the girls that he said they have to wait for and then he ends up giving it to them before they earn it. And I'm like, you just kind of negated the reward there, but that's okay. His daddy heart couldn't help but want to love on his girls. And I want you to know that your father has that same heart for you. He has this father heart for you that maybe you've never experienced in an earthly manner, but it's, it's a heavenly kingdom thing. So you got to let go of the earthly stuff and say, teach me your ways. Love me. Let me feel your love the way that you want to pour it on me. I'm not going to reject your love as my father anymore. I'm going to receive your love. You're a good, good father. And his, his father heart is ready and active and paying attention that when generosity pours out of you, he just, it just lights him up. He loves a hilarious giver. Isn't that good? So good. So good. So here is an eternal truth. Ready for this? It's going to be one of those mind-blowing moments right here. Here we go. 
If God wants you to do something, the enemy does not. I'll let that sink in for a minute. This is powerful, folks. If God wants you to do something, the enemy does not. Every time. It's kind of like watching a presidential debate. If you ever watch a presidential debate, you have the Republican and the Democratic primary right on. And it's like, can you guys just agree on one thing? Just one. They can't. God and the enemy do not agree on anything. And if God is telling you to do something, the enemy will stop at no lengths to try to get you not to do it, even by using the word of God against you. He manipulates. He deceives. That's what the name Satan means, deceiver. And there's an enemy to generosity. And the enemy of generosity, because generosity is part of the culture of the kingdom, and there's an enemy of generosity, and the enemy of generosity is selfishness motivated by fear. Selfishness motivated by fear. Fear of not having enough. Fear of not having what someone else has. Fear of not having what I deserve. Those three areas of fear motivate our selfishness. We don't have what they have. I'm not going to have what I need, so I need to make sure I hold on to it so I have what I need, or I'm not going to get what I deserve. I deserve this. I earned this. I worked for this. It's mine, 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 right? Wherever you find generosity, you will find selfishness battling for control. Wherever you find generosity, you will find selfishness battling for control. How many of you know what the term buyer's remorse means? Right? You're generous. What does the enemy do directly after that generous act? Why did you do that? You can't afford that. You're crazy. You need that. Selfishness will battle for control. Anytime generosity is in the picture. I love this quote by Robert Morris. He says, a selfish person will always find good reasons not to be generous. A selfish person will always find good reasons not to be generous. One of our favorite words, men, is this word, logic. I love logic. I stand upon logic, right? And I'll tell you what, kingdom generosity is not logical. We do a really good job, I do a really good job, a lot, of using what I have as an insurance policy in case God doesn't come through. I do it all the time. I don't tell anyone I'm doing it, but I do it. I'm not going to be generous. I'm not going to give this away because what if something happens and I need it? We use what we have. We use our savings accounts and we use our possessions that we hoard and hoard and hoard away because what in case God doesn't come through and I need it? It's logic. 
The enemy does not talk like God talks. The enemy does not talk like our Father talks. Listen to me. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to be generous, and you're telling yourself, well, maybe it's the enemy. The enemy doesn't talk like that. If you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you to give something away to bless someone, to demonstrate the love of Christ, to give to someone in need, and you think, well, maybe, maybe that's the enemy. Maybe the enemy's telling me to be irresponsible. No, he's not, because the enemy would never tell you to give to someone to be a demonstration of the love of Christ, to bless someone, to provide for someone. That's not his M.O., we need to stop believing the enemy's lies. If we're being led of the Spirit, there is never a good reason not to be generous. Travis, are you hearing yourself? If you're, here we go, right, Shelly? If we're in step with the Spirit, Leslie would always do that. I can't do it like she did. She kind of like has that hop thing. In step, if we're in step with the Spirit, there is never a good reason not to be generous. And I need to tell myself that a lot. Now, how does stewardship apply to this? Because we're in a stewardship series. What does this have to do with stewardship? Glad you asked. I'll tell you. Whenever we are poor stewards of our finances, of our possessions, of the gifts that God has given to us, our time, our relationships, whenever we are poor stewards of what we have, it robs us of the opportunity to be generous. We can't do it. Because we haven't stewarded well what we've been given. If we're not tithing, if we're overspending, if we are ungrateful for what we have, if we're unwilling to give what we have away, I guarantee you we will find ourselves with very little resources to be generous with. Because we're not stewarding what we have well. And God says, if you give, you will receive. Bring your tithe to the storehouse of the Lord. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you with so much you will not have room to contain it. God blesses us, like Leslie said, to be a blessing. And when we're faithful and obedient and we've stewarded well what we have, he blesses us with more to pour out on other people to be generous with but when we haven't stewarded well what we've had, we're not going to have anything to be generous with. God's not going to go back on his word. God is not going to bless our disobedience. He, I, that's hard, but it's true. And he wants to pour out. He wants to bless you so that you can be a funnel into other people. And your generosity will show them how much Jesus loves them through what you do. This, this is great. This is the blessed life. And Robert Morris, I'm using him quite a bit today, but good reason. He said this, and when I read it, boy, it hit me. He said, God is not responsible for bills he does not initiate. I don't even have to say anything. And I'm preaching at me. This is not just me talking to you. How often do we pray before making a purchase? 
You know, studies have shown that most of our stress, our anxiety, and our worry come as a result of poor stewardship, not just with finances. Most of our stress, our anxiety, and our worry are the result of poor stewardship. Here's an example. If anxiety you feel is ruling your life, how much time have you spent with Jesus? How much time have you spent digging into his word, meditating on his word, speaking his promises over your life? Or is the anxiety you're going through distracting you from his presence? See, all of our energy goes into survival and not in advancing the kingdom. There is great freedom in handling our finances and our possessions God's way because, as we've heard earlier, they're his anyway. All that we have is his. And when we handle, when we steward our finances and our possessions his way, when we're generous, when we're giving, there is tremendous freedom in that. And there is great joy in being hilariously generous with them. There's a song by the Gaither Vocal Band, and the song is called Give It Away. And the chorus, the first line of the chorus says, if you want more happy than your heart can hold, if you want to stand taller if the truth were told, take whatever you have and give it away. There is kingdom truth in that. We are called to be generous because God has been so generous to us. And generosity flows out of a grateful heart. God loves a cheerful giver. And when we are grateful for what we've been given, no matter how small or large it measures up in the world's eyes, when we're grateful for it, just like the widow with her two mites, no matter how little we have, we say, God, it's yours, and I'll be obedient, and I will give when you say give. It's amazing. Who are we called to be generous to? To name just a few. These are on the screen. John 3, 17. If anyone sees a fellow believer and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? So, fellow believers. Proverbs 22, 9. When you are generous to the poor... You are enriched with blessings in return. The last one, Proverbs 25. Is your enemy hungry? Buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Just think about this. If this happens when we are generous to others, how much more will generosity from our Father cause an awakening within us? Our generosity, no matter how much we give away, our generosity can never compare with God. And if our generosity awakens the conscience of even our enemies, think about the awakening that takes place in us when we realize the generosity of our Father that's been directed into our lives. It's amazing. It's life-changing. 
And it compels us to do exactly as we have received. Freely we have received. Freely we give, right? Those are his words. We can't hold on to our things. We can't have an insurance policy. So if God doesn't come through, then I'll be safe. Because then our trust is in our stuff and not in our God. Like Leslie said, if God tells you to give away your home, your car, do it. Be obedient. Because the testimony of your generosity and the reward, not that we give to get. It's not about being generous because we know if we are, God's going to give us a bunch of stuff. But it's about one thing and one thing only, his glory. And when we give with that heart, we will see the kingdom come. Amen. If you jump back in Matthew 6, I mean, Matthew 6 is such a stewardship passage, and he says to give without letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? So giving with a generous heart and, and doing exactly what Travis just said. And just, it is, can I just tell you from experience, it is so much fun to let go and let God. Like, the word hilarious doesn't even describe the joy that fills your soul when you're obedient. And when you let that stuff go, and it doesn't possess you, but he does, right? And it is so much fun to give. And we've been watching you guys. Oh, my goodness. We've been watching you guys do this. And so this is not really a, like, that we're not seeing this happen. It's just a continual reminder for all of us because we continue to live life on a daily basis. Every day we have to make decisions. Every day we have to steward what God has given us. And it's so fun to see people walk out what Jesus has said and what the Father has said through the Son and what the Holy Spirit affirms in our hearts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love hilarious generosity. I want to read one last passage to you, uh, Luke 6:38. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Given, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. Yeah? That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound awesome? Come on. That's something to get hilariously excited about. It's cheerful. His heart for us is, is good. And, oh, man, there's just so much here. So we wanted to testify because it's one thing to get up here and say, you know, it's awesome that we should do this. But it's another thing to get up here and tell you stories of what God has done recently. So, Pastor Travis... You want to start? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we wanted to read this kind of along the lines, just what we were talking about in this verse. Um, generosity doesn't give to receive, but generosity is always rewarded by God. If you give, God is going to bless you. No power on earth can stop it. I'm sorry if that bothers you. You're just going to have to deal with it. I know you're just giving to give. I realize you're not giving to receive. Nonetheless, byproduct, uh, blessing is a byproduct of giving. 
That's just the way it is. You can't get out of it. And there are so many of you, we've been watching, like she said, pastors are watching you. Um, and your generosity, because this is definitely something we're not saying is not happening at Lifeway. You are some of the most generous people. And it has been so visible to us what you're doing. And so we just want to kind of, not that we're going to, to use names because we know some has been given in secret and we want to honor that because God honors what is done in secret. But just a few, you already know about the, I, I stood up here about a month ago and asked, or two months ago now, for $4,000 so that we could upgrade our sound system. That came in that day. Two weeks, or not even two weeks later in the mail, we received another $4,000. A couple then approached me and said, we want to give to provide this sound system for you. And we said, well, that's already been taken care of. They said, all right, then we want to give so that your speakers or your video system all throughout the church have, you know, live stream capability online so that it, you can do that. You can upgrade your video system. So they handed me a check for $4,000. That's $4,000 three times. That's amazing. Because when we ask for something, and when it's spirit-led and God is in it, he multiplies. And it goes so much further and farther than anything we can ever manufacture. God is faithful. He is faithful. Amen. Um, so another one, during one of our messages not too long ago, um, a person in the church, they felt like God, the Holy Spirit, was, was speaking to them to give to a family in the church. And they were hilariously generous with the amount that they gave, but they gave it for the simple fact that they felt like the Holy Spirit was telling them to do it. And it was an amount that probably most of us, if God would tell us to give it, we would pray a little bit more about it. But they didn't because they knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And there was a family that they felt like they needed to bless for where they were in life. And they came in. They actually handed me the money and said, will you take this and deliver it to this family? Because we don't want anyone to know who's giving it. That's a pretty cool opportunity. And that just amazing. Amazing. So last week, Brianna and Jim were talking, and they were dreaming, our children's leaders, um, Brianna and Jim Rebell, that Brianna was just up here, and they were just dreaming about BBS, and they said, wouldn't it be cool if we could give away bicycles to the kids as grand prizes? And she's like, well, let's do it. Let's ask. Let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. So they put it out on Facebook Sunday morning before church started. And within three hours, had enough for six of the bicycles. And we got up here and said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could give them eight? Wouldn't it be great to just kind of add to it and let's just do two more? And by the end of the day, to the penny, come on, to the penny, they had enough for eight bicycles. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Yeah, I mean, it's good. To the penny. I, only God. Come on. Only God. This is, the, this is his active grace in our lives. 
And, and these bikes don't really represent bikes. They represent gospel and love because these kids will know that they're loved by Lifeway Church and by Living Connections Church, and they will in turn know that they are loved by Jesus. Amen. Yeah? So one more we want to tell you about. By the way, today, is it today or yesterday anniversary? Today. Today is Pastor Larry and Ruthie's 45-year wedding anniversary. So they're not here today because they are celebrating that, which is pretty awesome. 45 years. Blow up their Facebook. Go on their Facebook and yeah. just blow it up today. Write happy anniversary or text them or whatever. But don't call them because they're together and that would be weird. <laughs> we can edit that out for the podcast. Let's we'll go right out. That's hilarious. All right. So, moving on. Something that you may or may not know, if, if you know Pastor Larry and Ruthie, they are some of the most generous people in the world in their giving. Um, and so, a few weeks back, we were talking about our air conditioners that seemingly just were going out one by one. And so, Pastor Larry and Ruthie... Um, as they do, naturally, they were talking one morning, and Pastor Larry says, I think we need to give uh, to help, you know, in purchasing uh, the air conditioners, and, and Ruthie said, I think we should too. Well, Pastor Larry had an amount in his mind, and Ruthie had a little bit larger of an amount in her mind, and so they talked about it, and, and Pastor Larry felt like this, this is the amount we need to give, the amount Ruthie felt this is the amount we're going to give, and so they gave it. When was it? Like the, the next, next the very next day, yeah. they were at Victory Assembly of God in Newcomerstown just visiting. And the secretary looked at Pastor Larry and said, hey, um, we wanted to bless you guys um, for everything you've been through with Jess. And so we want to give you this. And Pastor Larry said, oh, you know, is this, is this for Jess, you know, to help out with her medical bills and things? And, and they said, no, this is just for you. This is to bless you and Ruthie. It was the exact amount that they had given the day before for the air conditioners. That's not a coincidence. Is there any more? There's no more on the list. You took That's them all. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a testimony about what God is doing, I know that we've talked with Scott and Angel Pennington. At the beginning of the year, they had two properties in Michigan that they needed to sell because they have a property here that they're living in. And so you can imagine trying to pay for and being obedient and moving back to Ohio. So paying for their properties in Michigan and here, you can imagine the weight of that. And they came to us and they said, will you pray with us? Will you agree that these will sell? And in the meantime, they had a crazy, like, water break on one of the floors of their house in Michigan because they weren't living in it and caused damage. Crazy, crazy. So you'll have to hear the story directly from them because I'm probably messing up the details. But they ended up getting um, both properties sold within a month of each other. About a month of each other, right after we said, let's pray, the next week, the one property sold, and within a few weeks, their house sold. Praise God. That's good. And, and I want to say this. It's not just about, like, so they were obedient to move back here from Michigan because Stella was sick. 
And they came back to be with family, but they also felt like the Lord leading them back here. And they're helping run our food pantry now. And it's that whole stewardship thing that we're going to trust God. We're not going to get afraid, but we're going to take it to him. So we know that God is moving us to do something. We're going to walk in obedience, and we're going to ask him to help us steward what we have well. And give generously. And see it pressed down, shaken together, running over, and completely taken care of. Every part. Amen? I just want to read you this last story, and I will be quiet. This is in The Blessed Life. My husband and I had been praying about the amount we were to give above and beyond our tithes for the coming year. I had a number in mind, and as I was praying, a few days later, a higher number was given to me. The numbers were the same, but another zero was added. A few days later, I asked my husband if he had been given a number yet, and he said yes. Then he asked if I had. I asked what his number was, and he was hesitant to give it to me. So we began the guessing game. Finally, I said, let's both write our numbers down, then at the same time show each other. We did, and the numbers were exactly the same to the penny. That was confirmation. There was a sense of excitement in both of us. We were all so kind of shocked. What a neat experience. The very next day at work, we were notified of a bonus. The bonus was four times the amount we were told to give. That is our father. All of these testimonies are to give glory to God because he's a good father and he is ready to open up the floodgates of heaven and continue to pour down. So let's just take a minute and let's just pray together to close. You can bow your heads with me if you want this to be personal and internal. And just ask the Lord, where are you asking me to be generous? In what area do I need to surrender? And in what area can I just hilariously just pour out? Mm. Holy Spirit, we know you're speaking. We know you're convicting. It's not convicting in the sense of causing shame that's stretching us to obedience, to blessing. Father, so often we, we are tempted in the area that we feel the weakest. And there are many of us, myself included, who struggle to give sometimes, struggle to be generous. So I pray right now in Jesus' name that the lack mentality, the poverty mentality, the mentality, the lies that say we're not going to have enough, God isn't going to come through for us like he's promised. What if? I pray that all of those lies would completely dissolve and that the truth of your word would be our firm footing, that we would give out of grateful hearts, that we would listen to your voice and that we would instantly be obedient to what you are saying. 
because we know the rewards are far greater, not just for us, but to those around us. Lord, when we are following you, when we are in step with you, the impact of your love and your generosity on them is so, so much greater than us trying to just hold tightly to what we have and to use our own wisdom. Stretch us, God. This is hard. This isn't easy. We're not saying this is easy, but it is very simple. The simple thing is you are good. You are calling us to be generous with what we have been given. So let's do it. Let's be your kingdom. Freely we have received and freely we give with joyful hearts. And we will give you glory in all things in your name. Amen. Amen, Amen Lifeway. We love you guys. You're awesome.